Broadcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon, live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. Time to bring our guy from Chicago. He joins us every Wednesday uh, throughout the entire year. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. He's David Kaplan, the Capman on Twitter, uh, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports Chicago. He joins the program. Cap Trenton, Ken, as always, great to have you on, Cap. Uh, we got to start with uh, uh, college basketball last night, Lawrence. Um, Fog Allen, one of the historic venues in all of uh, college basketball. Boy, it uh, it saw something that you don't like to see. Uh, Silvio D'Souza out of control. Uh, James Love, a K-State player who wasn't dressed for the game last night. He injected himself. Cap, this is going to be ugly. Uh, how do you think that this resolves itself once the conference and the schools get involved? What's the end game here, Cap? Well, I think this is going to be resolved by Silvio D'Souza being suspended for a long, long time. Uh, and, you know, my executive producer of my radio show, Danny Zetterman, is a Kansas grad and, you know, the biggest rock chalk Jayhawk guy in the world. And he just said to me this morning, kick him out of school, kick him off the team, whatever it takes. He should never wear that Kansas uniform again. What he did was despicable, disgraceful. There's no place for that in college athletics. So I've coached. For a long time, I have done, I don't know, 2,000 games as a broadcaster. I've seen a handful of scuffles. Nothing as ugly as that. That was awful. Yeah, that aside, Cap, and certainly a dark day for the Big 12 in college basketball as a whole. It's been such a crazy year as you go through the number one teams going down. Duke last week, Auburn, a couple of top five teams that took two losses along with Butler. Uh, you just don't see weeks like that, but that has happened throughout this season is this going to lead to a wide-open nature of college basketball where and we get to the Final Four and we got a four-seed, a five-seed, and an eight and a ten, something crazy like that? Or in the end, do you believe the cream will rise to the top because that next tier of teams maybe isn't quite as good? Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to see like four number ones get there again. It Could it happen? Certainly. Mm-hmm. But we have so much parity. And you know, when you rely on one-and-dones, Okay. They have great talent, but they're sometimes exceptionally immature as people. They're exceptionally immature as basketball players. You know, you only learn through time. You have that wisdom of how to play. And so would I be shocked if Dayton goes to the Final Four? No. Was I shocked when Butler went? Maybe the first time, not when they went the next year, mm-hmm. because they had veteran players who understood how to play the game as opposed to, I got five guys that are all five-star recruits, and let's roll them out and see if we can go. That's why you see all these upsets because, you know, these mid-major, high, low-major types, you know, maybe they're not at the top of their league in terms of national perception. Maybe it's not Kentucky out of the SEC, but maybe it's Ole Miss. Those are, there's a big, you know, differentiation between those two, two teams, even though they're in the same league. It's maybe the lower one has a senior point guard and a senior off guard, and you go, wow, that backcourt's been through thick and thin, 
So I think anything can happen once we get to the tournament. David Kaplan is our guest in Cherry and Stone of Iowa. Makes it possible. Cap, I want to get to uh, this past weekend, the Cubs convention. I know you didn't play as big a role as you had in the past. Of course, we understand the circumstances. Why? Marquee Network coming in. That in a second, because I do want to get your opinion on some of the hires that they made and one that they didn't in particular. But just your takeaway from the overall tenor of the uh, of the weekend event, uh, Cubs fans, you know, this was from afar. We got the we we could sense the excitement for this event and for the upcoming season. I'm not sure I uh, that I you know again from afar felt the same thing. What's kind of the consensus from the people that were there? And then we'll get into the Marquee Network. The consensus on the team, yeah, the team, and just you know what 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 Cub fans are bracing themselves for in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a handful of Cubs fans that, you know, are delusional and automatically think because you're wearing Cubby blue, you're going to roll out 98 wins and you're going to go win the World Series. And they probably were the same people that thought that same way back in, you know, 1993 when the team was horrible or 2006. They just, they're all in. They got rose-colored glasses and you bet. I, I get the emails all the time when I'm critical of the Cubs because that's my job. You're supposed to be a Cubs fan. You should never be <laughs> critical of us. Well, that's just not how I roll. And so if I did, why would you ever want to have me on your fine program? Um, I think the average fan that I've spoken to that calls into my radio show or you know that I see at these events like Cubs Convention or at the United Center when I'm walking around, they're bracing themselves for a bad season. Now, Bad probably doesn't mean they're going to be 68 wins and dead last and get the you know number two pick in the draft, but I do think that you're looking at a team that has spent no money, has not addressed their bullpen, does not have a defined leadoff man, and frankly, I have no idea what they could possibly be thinking when they're keeping all these guys that they have in their core, not getting anybody extended, and not making any substantive moves. Now, when the Chris Bryant grievance finally gets decided whenever that is now we're hearing late next week but we've been hearing that for a while Mm -hmm. perhaps that opens up the spigot where they can trade him move his 18.6 and then make another move i laid out a case of how you could go get nolan arenado but again, that's probably pie in the sky. Hmm. Uh, trying to go to hog this for the next couple of hours. Do you want to get to the marquee? But I got to follow up on this cap because you saw you spoke to an executive who called uh, this past couple of years following the World Series, kind of a country club, bunch of fat cats type of thing. Very critical uh, of the uh, of the way that the the Cubs went about their business the last couple of years. Does that fall on Joe Madden? What was his biggest beef from the executive that you talked to and then subsequently wrote about? Yeah. It was that the Chicago Cubs, and the quote was, got fat and happy. It was guys not being held accountable, and you know that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when a guy stands at home plate. Look, if you're going to hit one to Waveland Avenue, pimp it all you want. Do whatever you want. If that's what makes you happy, I like the bat flips, all of it. But if you're in a one-run game and you need a win and you crush one to center and you stand there and give your little you know, shimmy shake or whatever it is you do, and that ball hits the wall and you only end up at first base and the next guy up gets a single and you would have scored and you end up not scoring and you lose that game 6-5 to five instead of winning it 5-4 to four and have added on the bottom, in the top of the eighth, that stuff cannot continue to happen. And if you go back, you guys watch the games, 
Chris Bryant blooped one to left last yeah. year, tossed his bat aside in frustration. Oh, guess what? It dropped, and he was only on first. He didn't score. Anthony Rizzo, who I love dearly, did the same thing. Javi Baez did the same thing. Wilson Contreras did the same thing. And never once was anything done about it. And he can tell me all he wants, Joe. And he's a great guy. And he won the greatest event in my life for sports was that night in Cleveland. But he can also tell me all he wants. I hold him accountable in the room. You just don't know about it. Well, it's obviously not working. So that culture had to be fixed. And multiple people with that organization have confirmed that. All right, let, let's do the marquee network cap. They're bringing in uh, Cole Wright. They, they went outside the. I mean, as far as I know, not a lot of ties to to the Windy City. Uh, uh, Taylor McGregor is going to take the place of uh, Kelly Krull, who was unbelievably popular. Uh, she didn't get her gig. They're bringing in a whole lot of analysts to do um, some of the stuff. Dempster and Derosa, Pinella, Plezak, Hamill, uh, a whole bunch. Sutcliffe, Glanville. Uh, how did it go over, Cap? I know change is difficult, but they're bringing in a whole bunch of new faces and voices uh, to do what you guys did so well uh, and uh, made so many people happy uh, with the popularity of your show. Going to be tough to replace. Change is difficult. But your thoughts on the on-air talent, how that went over? Well, they hired some really, really good analysts. I mean, I love Ryan Dempster. He's a dear friend of mine. I love Dan Plesak. He's a really good friend of mine. Um, I just think if you're watching a baseball game, you like some level of consistency. And if your two broadcasters are doing a really good job and are really well-liked and they're Len and J.D., why do I need 10 games with one guy in there and then tomorrow we don't have a guy and then 10 more games and we'll get that guy in there and then we'll take five games and not have anybody in? Like, just give me my two guys. And if you don't like the two guys, go get two new guys. Mm-hmm. I happen to like the two guys. But if you don't like them, go get two new guys. But to a smattering of all these different guys, I'm not a big fan of. And then in terms of their studio work, I don't know Cole Wright. I'm assuming he's a very good broadcaster. Or they wouldn't have brought him here. Um, I like how we presented it. I like that every night we had a game, you knew, unless I was taking an off day, you knew it was going to be me and Todd Hollinsworth or me and David DeJesus. And if you didn't like David you could bring someone else in. If you didn't like Todd, we could bring someone else in. But those were my guys. So every single game, you knew who you were getting, you knew how we brought you the game, and you knew that Kelly Kroll, who I think is awesome, is going to be on the sideline for every single Cubs game that we aired. And I think they made a grievous error in not having Kelly Kroll part of their team. Cap, uh, another angle to this one, the Cubs convention over the weekend, Tom Ricketts goes up there. And when he brings up the marquee network, the boos that are out there, still no deal with Comcast, the biggest cable provider in Chicagoland. I'm sure it's a story that's dominating uh, a lot of the storylines over there in Chicago. Uh, in terms of Tom getting booed, I, you know, I've watched, I was there. I've watched that unfold. I have listened to that tape probably 15 times since then. I don't think they were booing Tom. I think they were booing the concept because people still believe they have to call up and subscribe to this channel. And that's not how it works. Their cable system has to sign on a deal with Marquee Network. It's not like Ken or Trent or Cap go, Hi, my name's Ken Miller, and I'd like a subscription to that. That's not how it works. 
if Comcast Xfinity has to strike a deal, and then they'll add it to your cable uh, channel. And so you'll get it, just like you get NBC Sports Chicago. They haven't got that one done yet. So I think people really don't know how it works, one. Two, they don't like that it's aligned with Sinclair for many people because of the political overtones in this country. I don't talk politics on any show I do. I don't tell you who I vote for, if I vote, if I don't vote. But I think that toxic environment we live in poisons some people against the Sinclair partnership, and they don't like the fact that they now have to have in their cable bill two different channels when they were offered a really fair deal to stay with the other three the way it had been. Finally, the Bears and uh, shakeup of the offensive staff. We talked about the new offensive coordinator last week. John Filippo comes in as the quarterback's coach. A lot of moving chairs, different roles for some different guys and some new hires along with it. Is it enough? Is it enough to fix the offense and get them back to the levels we saw two years ago? So is it enough just to fix the Bears' offense by making a few cosmetic moves? <laughs> um. I- Look, you guys know me. I'm a bigger proponent of Mitchell Trubisky than almost everyone in this town. Now, I'm not telling you he's ever going to be Patrick Mahomes. He won't. That one will be a decision that will haunt the Bears as long as Patrick Mahomes plays and beyond, just like Michael Jordan not going to the Portland Trailblazers when they took Sam Bowie. I get it. I'm hoping Mitchell Trubisky has a better career than Sam Bowie had. They've got to address offensive line with at least two new starters. They have got to go get a veteran tight end, whoever that might be, Austin Hooper from Atlanta, Hunter Henry from the Chargers, Mm. Eric Ebron from the Colts. Then they have to draft another tight end. I'm hoping Cole Komet is a guy that they can somehow find a way to get from Notre Dame. And then they've got to add another weapon as a receiver. You do all those things. Then if Mitchell Trubisky fails, he fails and you move on. And you've got to bring in a quality backup who is not a glorified assistant coach. That's where I'd put all my money. Hmm. Cap, I know we got a show to do. Give me one minute on something we rarely see. We've seen dust-ups in hockey practice or you know a, a, a game day skate. But Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith, two members of the core, all of them with cups, all of them parts of Team Canada Olympic gold medal teams. These two guys been there forever, forever, and they throw down at a game day skate. That's rare. Yeah, that is rare. I guess boys will be boys. I mean. You know, when I coached college basketball, I remember two of our guys going at it, swinging at each other. And it just happens. You know, you're asking guys to play at a really high level. You're asking guys to play in the glare of, you know, the biggest sports city in the world. And Jonathan Taves is a great leader. I don't know what precipitated it. Maybe he was having a bad day. Maybe Duncan Keith showed up a little bit late. And Jonathan Taves is a stickler for attention to detail. But something triggered him. It wasn't like they bloodied each other. Right. Two boys went at it. Big deal. Cap, great stuff. We'll talk to you in a week. Appreciate it. Look forward to it. By the way, I better not have a repeat of last night's Kansas-Kansas State game in my Valley game tonight. Who have you got? I have Illinois State at Bradley, the war on 74. Good stuff. <laughs> Cap, great. We appreciate it, buddy. Have a good call. See you, boys. Good to talk to you. David Kaplan uh, from Chicago, ESPN 1000, NBC Sports.
Hassan, uh, joining us, and he's brought to us by Centurion Stone. Centurion Stone of Iowa, whether you're looking for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project of any size, Centurion Stone offers a variety of styles, patterns, and colors for your every need. Centurion Stone, over 200 of those such patterns and colors. CenturionStoneofIowa.com or visit the showroom. Uh, the showroom is located at 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street uh, in Des Moines. All right, Trent, let's uh, do a couple more minutes on the... Uh, um, on the Kansas K-State game. Cappy yeah. doesn't want to see that one. It, it was a rarity. Look, I, I keep going back to it. Uh, the, the kid, D'Souza's dribbling out the clock, right? right? And for whatever reason, this hero decided to, I'm going to steal the ball. And D'Souza goes down. And what a block. It was. I mean, that was an all-timer. Uh-huh. Get, get that out of here. And stood over him. And then it was on. The fuse ignited. Um, what, how's it going to play out? Oh, it's a great question, and as you look at it, I think D'Souza has to be suspended for a significant time. Oh, I don't the think whole he'll year. ever play at Kansas I, again. I, I don't see it. With I the, think the chair, yes, probably was the end of his career or the stool, whatever it was. A guy that also has kind of his own set of certainly circumstances in coming back there. It was just it was such a bad deal. Now I saw it on Twitter as it was happening, as I was calling a game last night, so I didn't get it in real time. And maybe that just changes it because were you watching at the time? It was no, a blowout. I was blowout. watching Iowa State, right? Yep. And so because of that, I do wonder. You know, if you're watching in real time, how different that would have been. But but since it was a blowout as the final seconds of the game, probably changes things. Did you realize? I did bring this up to you earlier. The uh, free throws that they made the teams go back on the floor and shoot. Yes, what was that? It was ridiculous. Why, why did we do that? It impacted the second half number. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. Well, you know what? We crit- we were critical when it doesn't happen, when that doesn't come into play. Now mm-hmm. that didn't. I don't think that you know the officials got together and say, "Hey, there's a lot riding on this. We better get these boys back out there." Uh, but it, but at the same time, look, I also want to apologize to our audience. We will talk White Sox with with Cappy. Mm-hmm. We we will. Cappy's spending the weekend. Um, it's not the Cubs convention, whatever the White Sox called their gathering. I know he's doing some live shows. So when we reconvene with Cap next week, we're doing a whole bunch on the White the White Sox are going to be relevant this year. Not Twins relevant, I don't think, but I do believe that they're the team that's going to chase Minnesota and that unbelievable offense that they've uh, constructed uh, up in the Twin Cities. But uh, we will do a whole lot more White Sox because I think for the first time in a long time, Trent, uh, they're going to be on our radar this summer. I think they will be. Yeah, I think they're going to be certainly in contention for a wild card. Some of the questions I had, Giolito seemed to certainly slow down as the year went off. He has just such that incredible run. What was it? 8, 10, 12 starts where he was ridiculous. Yeah. And then he was good in the All-Star. Or we start, did he start the All-Star game? I think he did. Okay. I think he did. Or he was the second pitcher in... Um but yeah, just on, uh, especially on the heels of the uh, what uh, of the year before, if Kopech is the guy that Gotta many people him. anticipate, yep, right away, I like this team a lot more. I do too. I, I think that's a big difference maker. Keuchel, I wonder what Keuchel's going to be in the American League. You know, mm. he's good. Yep. He's solid. Yep. He was there with the Astros, Astros obviously yeah. before, but he's more of a, kind of that number veteran number four type of guy mm-hmm. at this point in his career. And for the White Sox, he's going to be more of a number three type of player, but. The rotation, the bullpen, I still have some question marks there. 
Obviously, offensively, though, they've took such a big step forward of what they are and and the way that that offense is built. Uh, Tim Anderson had a really, really good season last year, and if he even builds on that, they got Pop, they got Abreu back, and Carnacion, DH. This is going to be a team that certainly is going to score. I love Yohan Moncada. He's one of my favorite players to watch in baseball. So it's a good mix. They're going to be a good team. I just don't think good enough regular season-wise for the Twins. I'm not here as a Twins fan beat my chest because I know what's going to happen. They're going to go out there and they're going to win 95 games. They'll get clubbed in the first round of the playoffs. And it's just, By the that's Yankees. the way it is. Yeah, yeah, they'll play the Yankees in the first round and it'll be 3 nothing. Uh Coming up, uh, after our break, we're going to uh, talk to uh, Iowa Senator, State Senator Nate Bolton is going to join us. Uh, him and Brad Zahn co-sponsoring a bill. Uh, player likeness, it's it's come to the state of Iowa. Uh, Trent, I'm, I'm anxious to see how this goes forward. I don't know I mean, what blowback... And I'm, I'm looking forward to that's one of the questions I want to get get to, you know Nate's opinion on right off the bat. What kind of blowback does he expect to receive? I'm sure there'll be some people that say college scholarships enough. Mm. It's enough. It, it was in 1960s and the 70s when coaches were making forty five thousand dollars a year, right. and the games weren't on TV. There were not billion dollar television Precisely. contracts that are out there right now. There was a time when a college scholarship was more than enough. That's not the case. And these universities have spent this television money, and they've done it to upgrade facilities and gone to an incredible uh-huh. level. And I mean, hired more coaches, and yes. I'm all for it. I'm all for that. But at the same time, if you have that kind of money, though they've invested in the players and these great facilities mm-hmm. that they have, really invested in the players, invested in the people that are making a difference out there. I think it's something that is long overdue. There will be blowback. There'll, yep. there'll be people that just they don't believe that the amateur model should have players being paid in, in any fashion at all. Well, we've seen this with the Olympic model and the way that that has evolved. Same thing's going to happen here. You can go kicking and screaming, but it's going to happen. It is. Right. It's going to happen. It, it's coming. You know, and, and I was always a proponent of the way that they are uh, going forward with this. They want the money to be held in some kind of trust yep. until the uh, uh, until the student athlete's playing career uh, and they're they've, whether they've graduated, whether they've left the school, and then then the money is dispersed. And there's a lot of people that say, "Why bother? Why wait? Just pay them now." Um, Anyways, we'll get into that with Nate Bolton coming up on the other side. We take you until noon. A lot of ground to cover. We got three in-state teams on the floor tonight. Basketball is a big night uh, for three of the four locals. Of course, Iowa State played last night and put one in the win column. But the Hawks play, the Bulldogs play, and so do the Panthers. We will do that after Nate Bolton. As Trent and I take you until noon, it's time to pay your bills right now, Trent, with iHeartRadio and 1460KXNO. Text the keyword ball to 200 200 right now that's your chance to win a thousand dollars that's ball to 200 200 you'll get a confirmation text and info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest back with nate bolton when miller and condon continue on des moines sports station 1460 kxno and now on Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. As we told you at the beginning of the program when we were taking a look at today's guest list, we talked about that Nate Bolton is going to come on and mention the fact that the LA Times has published a piece they obtained through the Freedom of Information Act, a big 
a 44-page document that the NCAA put out uh, with some of their talking points, how they're going to, you know, they're going to blame the media uh, and some of the um, precautions, I guess, that they think that they can take to try take to try and change the narrative. Um, as Awful Announcing has got a really good summary, if you don't want to read the LA Times, NCAA continues to blame the messengers and the messaging without looking at the message itself. Nate Bolton, full disclosure, my labor contract uh, um, attorney, when I had my uh, little dispute over a non-compete, Nate is a senator uh, in the Iowa legislature with Hedberg and Bolton, and he joins the program as he and uh, Republican Brad Zond filed an image and likeness bill that is making its way uh, onto the floor. Nate, Trent Condon and Ken Miller, great to catch up with you again, Nate Bolton. How have you been? I've been great. Good to visit with you again. Uh, who would have thought when we started talking uh, on random sports law topics, what, seven, eight years yeah, ago? Yeah, a long we, time. We ended up here talking about a pretty pretty big bill in the Iowa Senate. No question about it, Nate, and glad that you uh, went forward with this. So the legislature is just, uh, what, a couple of weeks uh, since it's been, it's, uh, been back in session. How long had this been kind of... Um, you know, on the back burner, or you guys are doing work prior to uh, the month of January. How long was this kind of in the works before you brought it forward yesterday? Great question. So Senator Zahn and I had, had met and talked about this in the summer uh, and and really wanted to find what, what a solution would be to a problem that, frankly, the NCAA has had its head in the stand on and, and let worsen and worsen and worsen without any meaningful effort to address. And, uh, and we, uh, we talked a lot, Senator Zahn and I uh, explored different ways to do it and timelines. And, and one of the things that, that we both saw an advantage of doing in, in Iowa's version of this is the idea of, of allowing universities to, to require athletes to set up trust accounts. And, and it's something that there's been kind of a little pushback on, on, on both sides for doing, but I think the more I look at it, the more I think that's a smart approach. That's the one part of the bill that, that I do have questions. We're talking about a lot of these student-athletes coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. The time that they need the money is not when they graduate from college and are off in the real world, be it as a professional athlete or just working a 8-to-5 job, but while they're in school and they don't have that kind of background. Is that where the pushback is coming from people, the people that come from those kind of backgrounds and, and don't have disposable income? Um, actually, a little bit of that, uh, yes. Um, and, and just a little bit of, of how they would end up working, I think, is, is the other aspect of it. Um, what, one of the things that, that we don't want to see is, um, I guess, abuse in the system mm-hmm. and and having a little bit of insulation between results on on Saturday and, and, and finances coming in on, on Sunday was an important thing to look at. And we also wanted to make sure that there's at least some sort of certification process for, for anyone that's going to handle management of a trust account. And so we've, we've set up a mechanism in the bill to at least have a certification process so not just anybody can be an agent out there in investing dollars for a, for a college athlete. We, we at least have to have some consumer protection here. Uh, Nate, so, so how would it work in your mind? I'm a, uh, I own a car dealership, 
and I want to get mm-hmm. um, I want to get John or Jane Doe to be my spokesman for my car dealership. I'm a fan of that university. I think they're good people. I want to help them out while they're mm-hmm. still in school. So would I go directly to them? Would I go to someone with the school? Would uh, would agents be involved? What would that step be for me to contract uh, with a student athlete? So excellent question. And as it exists right now, you you would theoretically be able to get directly to that student athlete. Now there there would be some potential for rulemaking processes for 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 kind of adding some structure to that relationship. But but in its purest sense, you would be able to go to a student athlete. Say I want you to to be on our billboard, and uh, and you would have a relationship with that individual. Where where it gets somewhat interesting is you have some exclusive advertising contracts, like somebody wants to be, you know, the the grocer or the car dealer for the specific university team. And if they want to be exclusive, now they're going to have to start talking with student athletes uh, as well as the university to, to have that, that label. So it, it prevents the university from essentially speaking on behalf of a student athlete that doesn't really have a choice in being a spokesperson for whatever company the university wants. Nate, a lot of states already have passed legislation very similar to this. California was the first to do it, though it won't be in place until 2023. That's going to give an ability for the NCAA to come up with their own parameters. How likely is it that these bills that are being passed state by state will never come to fruition that the NCAA is going to figure it out beforehand? I think that's that's probably the hope of everyone mm-hmm. is is that these pieces of legislation provide the framework, but hopefully there's a national one size fits all solution here uh, by the time we get to 2023. But we needed to have a date certain here because the NCAA has ignored all these warning signs for so long, has drug its feet on this. There needs to be a deadline to get something done here and address this inequity. So, Nate, help us out. Help this um, Canadian out, and Trent's not big into politics either. <laughs> so so what's next? So the debate, and, and honestly, um, let, let me start with that then, um, before we get into the how it works. Do you anticipate a lot of pushback from, you know, fellow senators? I mean, how... What would the argument be not to do this, Nate? What do you expect to hear from some of the detractors for what you're trying to do? What will they say? So I think some of the primary arguments against this would be that that an Iowa solution isn't a great solution, having Iowa out alone uh, on this. Uh, But I think the reality is you're going to see states continue to take up this topic individually as, as there's a failure to act nationally. So I don't think that's a great criticism. Um, and again, that's, that's why we have set three years back the, the actual implementation of this mm-hmm. to give an opportunity to react to it. And if there's not a national solution from, from Congress, the NCAA still has its power to, to accommodate some of these statutes and work with legislatures to find a working solution before we hit, hit that date. So I think that's primarily going to be where the criticism comes. Um, there's there's some people that still have the, the mindset of a, a full ride scholarship is plenty of compensation, but I think that that really is diminishing in 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 its prevalence around this discussion because there is just so much so money much. around this system to say that a student athlete 
has to simply be told what what is acceptable as as their their deal on this. Um, it just it just doesn't doesn't hold up anymore. When you have this bottleneck of of resources going to essentially coaches' salaries and facilities, yeah. and we're starting to see kind of cartoonishly large investments in those two things, while the student athletes are out there performing and and putting their bodies on the line. It just doesn't feel right anymore. Preaching to the choir, at least uh, with this host, and I'm, I'm assuming I can speak for Trent on Absolutely. this one as well. It just seems like it's it's not the 70s anymore when the coach is making $50,000 a year and the games weren't on TV. You're told you're going to play at 7 right. o'clock. You're told you're going to play Thursday night. Everything is predicated by the huge uh, television contract. So procedure. So so what's next? The debate comes, and will this eventually get to the governor's desk? And then she, and i got to think since a Republican Brad Zahn is also put his name on this, if it does get to the governor's desk, it seemingly, to me, uh, would have a much better chance of passing. So we wanted to make sure it was was bipartisan to, to do something like this. And there are a couple of uh, members of the House, a Republican and a Democrat, also looking at this issue. Um, so the, the fact that it's it's not going to be as, as, as neat as a partisan divide on this gives it a chance uh, of success. And, and I think we're going to have a a subcommittee process where we're going to hear from the region's institutions on their positions on it. We're going to, we're going to hear from the public on it. Um, and then hopefully move forward with a bipartisan bill that, that acknowledges there's a problem and Iowa needs a solution. And that would take place when? That'll take place before you guys adjourn in you know, April, May, whenever that happens? So I would hope we, we would have a subcommittee meeting on this in, in the next couple of weeks. And then it would advance. Uh, right now, it's before the Education Committee of the Iowa Senate. So hopefully, it would get to the full Education Committee for a vote um, sometime. You know, hopefully within the month, and then potentially could come out to the floor. But a lot's got to happen between now and then. Gotcha. My final question is a big topic, and I know there's a ton of layers to it, but the implications with Title IX and what Title IX is is equitable for both males and females at universities. This money, these payments, would be coming from a third party. Yet the Vert University would still be involved here. How deep does that go? What implications that you know of that could impact Title IX and what it means on the men's and women's side of things? Great question. And, and Title IX, of course, is about opportunity. And, and it's important to acknowledge that this does not say any specific gender or sport is, is exclusive in this. Mm-hmm. So, so this would apply to any student-athlete that, that would be eligible to to make um, uh, their, their name, image, likeness uh, a relevant economic factor. Um, so so that's, that's part one. Part two is there are a whole bunch of uncomfortable questions that come with the resources that are in college athletics right now and what it means for Title IX and antitrust. And, and each time you press a lever, you, you wonder about the implications of the other moving parts here. Um, you know, I, the way the NFL and the, the, the National Player, Football League Players Association are able to do it is they get around antitrust by having exclusive uh, bargaining relationships. When you add in an educational aspect to it, it's got to ensure that there is the opportunity for um, all student athletes to be able to benefit from this model. And then, again, that's also part of where the trust account can, can be beneficial is that it's not a resource that is available during the educational process, and that's important too. So, so we've thought that through, and we're gonna we're gonna have to 
pay attention to those secondary consequences. But but right now we've we've got to fix part one, which is there's a, a gross inequity here, and it, it's time we start acting on it. Nate Bolton is our guest, along with Brad Zahn, have uh, pushed a bill forward. Uh, image and likeness here in the state of Iowa. Last thing for you, Nate, and, and I have no idea, and maybe the answer is whatever the market will bear. But do you have any idea what how much money we're talking about? And do video games factor into this? If What's the game everybody plays? NCAA. Straight? NCAA. So if that comes back and that's available, do the... I mean, will the players be paid for that? So, so how much money are we talking about? And is there a a video game, I guess, uh, angle to uh, to the bill you're putting forward? Sure, and that's going to be impossible to forecast because we it, it is going to be an economic factor of of how much of the resources that are going into college athletics right now will actually shift behind individual student athletes or student athletes collectively. And, and so that, that's impossible to read because it's really impossible for us to say what the next big TV deal will uh-huh. be for the NCAA in five years or 10 years. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's hard to read. But, um, in terms of, of, you know, what, what this, what this potentially could, could lead to, is it, is it a return of the EA sports games? There, there certainly is a path here for that to happen. Nate Bolton, uh, Hedberg and Bolton is his full-time job, uh, workers' rights, Hedberg and uh, HedbergLaw.com. Senator Nate Bolton, along with Brad Zahn, have pushed a, a bill forward. Uh, image and likeness here for student-athletes within uh, the state of Iowa. Nate, great to catch up with you again. It's been a long time. Look forward to, you know, whenever there's a legal uh, debate that comes up or a legal topic that comes up in the world of sports, I'll be back on your caller ID. Thank you, Nate. Great to talk to you. Sounds great. Thanks, yep, good luck with you. Uh, Nate Bolton joining us uh, from the uh, legislature. We'll get a timeout. We'll t- come back, finish out the program as we continue on here. Miller and Condon, Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106. 106- Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Gary Barta in the news. Yes. Gary Barta is now the head of the college football playoff committee. So what does that mean? Him and Reese Davis going to be hanging out on yes, they are. Monday and Tuesday Tuesdays. night. Tuesday night. The television show that grudgingly you come around to. A little later than me. Sometimes. Sometimes. It I, has to be something relevant and exciting to talk about. If you already kind of know the four. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. Yeah, it's appointment TV to me. I love it. <laughs> uh, now Gary Bart is going to be a part of it. So good for uh, uh, good for him, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's outstanding. Now, talk about a guy that his fortunes have changed Ooh. from where we were yes. just a few years ago with the lawsuit to today. Yes. Athletic department that's humming along. Mm-hmm. A wrestling team that might, might win a national championship mm-hmm. for the first time in nine years. Football program won 10 games. Two nationally ranked basketball teams, yes. both 19th on the men's and women's side. It's a Boy, different the conversation. Are, the women are working on a string, are they not? My I mean, God. losing Gustafson, I, I thought no chance. No ch- Maybe a tournament team at the very least, but they're right up there. They're going on the road. They're playing really well. and Piling up the wins. Saw future Hawkeye last night in Caitlin Clark. Did you? What game did you have last night? It was Dolly Catholic hosting yep. Waukee. Dowling girls got it done. Clark played really well, had 39 against a really good Waukee team. And then on the boys' side, number one Waukee, there's a gap there. Is there? Last year, Waukee was the number one team in the boys' side mm-hmm. before the injury of their point guard, Noah Hart. But with DeVries, Tucker DeVries is playing really well. Peyton Sanford, they're long, they're athletic, they can shoot it all over the place. I think that gap between Waukee and everybody else on the boys' side 
pretty significant one. Eastern part of the state included? Talking to a couple people over there, not an overly impressive group of teams. I think we might be talking about the Warriors for the first time ever winning a state title in boys basketball. Very interesting. All right, we got three games in the state. Well, we don't have three games in the state. We have one game in the state. Both of the Valley schools are on the road. Both of them are on ESPN+. I'm a big fan. Uh, Drake Evansville, of course, Licklider gets the reins of that as Walter McCarty picks off Kentucky. Look, he needed, if, you, if you read the story behind why he's lost his, his job, uh, I think he's clearly warranted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Licklider moves in, so he'll try, he'll match wits tonight against, uh, DeVries and Drake. And then the Panthers at Southern Illinois ESPN Plus for that one as well. Of course, the Hawks will entertain Rutgers. Eight o'clock, Big Ten Network. Do you have any opinion on either of these? I have an opinion on the Iowa game. What's the number? Five and a half. Okay, seems like a lot because Rutgers is good, but Big Ten teams, well, Illinois went on the road last night and won. They did. There was two road wins last night in the Big Ten. What was the other one? Uh, it was Maryland coming down down at the half against Northwestern and came oh, back and right. won that game yep. going away against the Wildcats. So Maryland got a victory there. Maybe the Nebraska Tizer, got picked off, though, yes. right? Yeah. Starting to change a little bit, and at least we're seeing a little bit more mm-hmm. road victories there. I think Iowa wins, but I'm certainly going to grab the points. But that's not my favorite picks of the night. I got four. Four of them. Blame Four of us. Gave you Nova last night. You did. Your best bet scored. Gave you Iowa State last night. Two out of three. We don't need to mention the other. I like Xavier laying four and a half at home against Georgetown. Okay. Temple at home. You're getting a little points. A muddy line as they got Cincinnati coming in. We saw that Cincinnati. They're not very good. How is South Carolina getting 11 at Auburn? Auburn looked awful last week. Last week they did, yes. South Carolina has looked good. They beat Kentucky last uh-huh. week. They went on the road, beat Texas and A&M. And number's 11? 11. That might okay. be something toying around with the money line and Georgia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, excuse me, tonight as they have Carolina coming in. We know how bad North Carolina is. I'll lay the points with Vatek. All right, Murph and Andy come your way today at two. Then the fanatics slide on in here at four. Happy birthday to Joe Donald, the voice of the Iowa Wild, turns the big four zero today. He's a man. He is a man. He's a really good broadcaster as well. Joe O'Donnell, happy birthday to you, voice of the Iowa Wild. Uh, tomorrow morning, the Morning Rush will start things off at 6. Trent and I get here at uh, 10. Miller and Condon on 1460 KX and no one now 106.7.